for Israel neither sheep nor ox nor ass. In other words, they, they basically killed all their crops. They burned and destroyed all their crops. And evidently also all of their, all of their uh, animals, their cattle as well. So verse 5. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Good thing. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord, this is a different response than we've had up till now. They cry unto the Lord, they're in oppression, so the Lord sends not a judge, but a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord. So, that, so we, that's what we know. They cry unto the Lord and what does God send to do? God sends a prophet with a long bony finger says, Hey, this is what I told you to do. And you didn't do it. And that's the end of it. I mean, apparently that's, I mean, the prophet comes and he comes to the nation of Israel. I guarantee you the way the nation worked, wherever he showed up, that word spread out over the whole nation of Israel. Maybe he preached to the whole land, we don't know. But the nation of Israel heard this, okay? Now, now we're going to move from the whole nation to just one family. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abiazrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, now get this picture. It's like, next picture is, here's an angel of the Lord just chewing on a, chewing on a little piece of wheat sitting under a tree in Gideon's yard, essentially. Okay? I mean, this is, this is where Gideon grew up. He's right there. It's almost as if the picture is, here's Gideon over here threshing wheat, and the angel of the Lord just kind of sitting there watching him. He can't see him yet, but he's just there. And then in verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. <clears throat> and Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, now notice there's two different lords here. He's referring to him as, Gideon refers to this angel lord as Sir, L-O-R-D. That's a, it's a language of respect. And then he says, if the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah. Okay, So he's not quite connecting the dots that this is the angel of the Lord. He will in a little bit here. Okay, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now notice it says, verse 14, not the angel of the Lord now, but the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And that word looked, that's a that's a serious word. I mean, it's almost like they're having a conversation and all of a sudden it's like the Lord's looking right at Gideon. Like boring, boring into Gideon, if you will. He's got all of, all of the Lord's attention. And he said, Go, in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, notice again, the little O, little R, little D, Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And we'll look at that, because poor, he had ten servants. So there's an interesting vision of what he means here by poor. Okay, Verse 16, And the Lord, cap, capital Jehovah, I'll just say it that way, said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, 
and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. I think Gideon's starting to get the picture here. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. It's totally different now. I mean, here, let me run to McDonald's real quick. <laughs> okay, this was like kill the lamb, you know, grind the flour. I mean, this is, he wasn't, this wasn't just a microwave meal here. He had to run back and do some work, okay? And the guy says, I'll tarry, I'll be here. Verse 19, and Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cake. That's, in other words, it started from a live goat, <laughs> okay? And unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour and flesh he put in a basket. <clears throat> and he put broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. Now, I want you to picture this. What is, what is the previous verses just told us about the state of Israel? They're impoverished. All, all the increase, you know, the, the sheep and the lambs and, the, and all the wheat and the barley, that's all been destroyed. So what Gideon's doing right now is he's preparing wealth. Food is like serious wealth. It, it might mean the survival of a family or the strength of a family. He's, he's not just throwing together a quick meal to say, hey, this is great, let's have lunch. No, he, he is putting together something that caught literally is going to cost him and his family dearly and the nation wouldn't cost the nation of Israel. <clears throat> he brings out a, this wonderful picnic out to this man. Verse 20, And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. What? Are you kidding me? I worked hard on this. This is, you realize how do you realize how important this is? That's, but that's not what Gideon says. Look what, look what it says Gideon did. And he did so. Some, Gideon is growing through this whole thing. It's just a wonderful thing. Verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Oh, I just would have loved to have seen this. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So the angel of the Lord is gone. Verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God. He's praying now. For because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. He thought he was going to die. You, you remember, we always think an angel, an angel showing up, that'd be cool. But when the Israelites remember an angel showing up, they're remembering times, you know, like when an angel showed up to kill people. <laughs> an angel of the Lord kills all this group, and an angel of the Lord kills all this group, and the angel of the Lord brings, of course, which hadn't happened yet, but brings the sword against, uh, uh, under David. He brings the sword uh, against the nation of Israel. And Gideon's going, this is not good. When an angel shows up, it's judgment, and he's fearful. He's legitimately fearful. And look at there's no there's no physical angel of the Lord present. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto Jehovah, the Lord, and called it Jehovah Unto this day, the day of the writing of the book, it is yet in Afra of the Abiah's rights, Abiah's rights. Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, I'd ask that you'd bless in the message tonight. Lord, please, that you would work in us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. There's two things happening here, and I, I struggled with just trying to deal with just maybe just one of it, but there are two things happening, and we have to deal with both. And uh, we'll start with uh, the bad, the ugly, and the good. I know you're telling me, no, it's supposed to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. But no, not how it's presented in this scripture. It's the bad, the ugly, and the good. And then we're going to look at Dr. Jesus, okay? And the process is bringing 
the nation of Israel and Gideon from a state of sin and enmity with God to faith and trust in God. So there's a process here, okay? So what's the bad? Well, the whole normal rigmarole with the children of Israel in the book of Judges, right? They blew it again. Don't do this. They did it. Don't worship these, these other gods. What do they do? They do it. I mean, it's, it's simple. They did evil. They sinned against God. They sinned against the written word of God that they had in the book of Moses, okay? They sinned against the secondary book, of, book from Joshua that laid out their laid out their, uh, their boundaries, and God said, go get it. And so there's a, a reinforcement of God's word. They didn't obey that. They should have driven them out. And they, and they disobeyed the primary thing. I'm your God. These aren't your gods. The Canaanite gods aren't your gods. I'm your God. Don't worship them. Okay? And they, they sinned. So what did God do? He delivered them into the hand of the Midianites. So that's the bad. I mean, I hate to say it's normal because people do this, but it's still wrong. That they did evil, and they were delivered into the hand of the Midianites. Now that's the bad, but what's the ugly? The ugly is, Midian was not nice. It wasn't like they just demanded, you know, some, you know, bring me some <clears throat> money every once in a while, you know, maybe once a year, pay tribute, you know, so we're going to make you pay tribute. That, no, they, they did more than that. They invaded the land, and apparently on what I would think, at least in the seven years, would have to be a semi-frequent basis, and purely just to destroy, I think the honest of purpose was, maybe we don't want to kill the Israelites, but we do want them to die. I mean, if you're taking away all of their sustenance, you're taking away, you realize this is an agricultural society, and if you kill all the agriculture, hello, eventually either the people die or they leave where there's no oppression. So they want the land back, I don't know, but they don't like the Israelites. It's so bad that it says the Israelites are hiding in caves and holes, and they're trying to hide and trying to grow, probably trying to grow, uh, you know, like, like they used to try to grow weed around here, you hide it in the forest, okay? Everybody here? Okay. Uh, down in Tennessee where you hide your still, it's illegal, so we're going to hide it up in the mountains. These people were doing that with, like, corn and barley, stuff that they can eat. They're trying to hide, this, and, and what do they do? The Midianites come without number, they sweep through the land, they destroy everything they can find. The Israelites are hiding in caves and holes in the mountains. It, came, it says they come without number. They couldn't even count them, there were so many, and their whole purpose was just ruining the land, just devastating it, and like we said, like the passage says, leaving it so that there was no sustenance for Israel, and Israel is left the words are greatly impoverished. Ain't no money left. Ain't, there's nothing left for them. They're extremely poor. Not just impoverished. They're greatly impoverished. The, not only is there no uh, canned meat left in the, in the cupboard, there's no canned nasty vegetables. There's not even popcorn left. I mean, it's just empty cupboards all the way around, and they're hoping maybe they can catch a rat or something in the mousetrap. Okay? Come on, all. Did y'all have too long a nap? So, the children of Israel are in a bad, bad way. Midian shows up. It's not good. I mean, I mean, it's really, really bad for Israel. Now, here's the good. What is it? Israel cries unto the Lord. That is the good. And really, everything after that is good. It's going to take a while, but everything after that is good. So the bad, children of Israel blow it again. The ugly, the Midianites, in seven years they devastate the land. Just devastate the land and the people of Israel in just a really short amount of time. But the children of Israel, seven years of this, honestly, kind of surprising it took seven years of that to get there. But they do, they finally cry unto the Lord. But this time again, we get this totally different response. So the, the Lord, instead of sending the judge automatically, Send the judge and judge the people and free them and this is all good. Now he kind of separates it a little bit. And we kind of had that last time, didn't we? You had the prophetess Deborah and then you had what should have been, the well it was a judge that grew in faith, Barak. But <clears throat> this time it's now we got just a prophet sent. Just, just a prophet with a, a long bony finger pointing his, pointing his finger back at them saying, listen, you know why you're here, don't you? 
You're here because you sinned. This is your fault. You are in the middle of this because you should have listened to the word of God that you had. They had the five books of Moses. You should have remembered the words of Joshua. You should have remembered and done and obeyed what they said, but you have not done that. Clearly, and he says quite clearly, God says, it's almost as if he's doing a comparison. You've been worshiping up all these Baal and Ashtaroth and all these gods around here. Uh, Excuse me, I delivered you out of Egypt? I did that, Jehovah. I delivered you out of the bondage of Egypt. I drove your enemies out from before you. I'm the one that did that. I gave you the land you live in and on and use to get, to, get your, to get your sustenance. I did that. And he says, not only that, I gave you my word. If you, if you, I'm kind of reading that in. He says, I left my word with you. I am your God. Do not reverence their gods. Now, you understand, sometimes we think worship like has to be literally bowing down to other gods. But it, it's actually quite a bit less than that. It's literally basically giving them any time of day whatsoever as if there's reality to it. That, I mean, literally, if you start digging in, it's, it, it's quite a, the bar is quite a bit less than the worship that we give to God. And look up, look up the words for yourself in there. But don't, basically, don't give their gods any honor at all. Don't throw any good stuff at their gods and say, well, you know, they're not bad here. No, no, no good. I'm God. That's false. That's idolatry. Don't honor them. Don't reverence them. Don't, don't say anything good about it. Okay? And here's the problem. Uh, just as plain as day, verse 10, like this prophet walks in, they're crying, God, please, we need help. Prophet come in. Well, you know, this is all your fault. God did this, and God did this, and God did this, and you're supposed to do this, and you didn't do it. See ya. And you see the children of Israel looking at each other like, that's it? Wait, wait, wait. We don't get no Barak, no Ehud, somebody? And that's the end. But God did hear their prayer, did he not? Yes. Amen. <clears throat> Let's just pause right here. Because this is kind of where in my mind, uh, I, I begin to see this picture of a, a medical thing going on. I because of being a preacher, you know, you end up spending a lot of time with families walking through medical issues. And, uh, you know, of course, some of you, I've been through my own, you've been through your own. And, but God, sent, God heard their prayer. And so this is, if, if I could put it this way, if you're really, really sick, I mean, like, it's serious, and you have no idea why, what are you going to do? Come on. You go to the doctor. You might even run to the ER. Matter of fact, the ER is kind of what I had in my picture, but it don't matter. Doctor, ER, either way. What, are, what is their job? I, now, I've taken some, several first aid training classes and courses. I've been certified and lost it and certified and lost it about 100 times just because you have to keep recertifying. And it's interesting is that the first thing that you always do in any issue is you have to identify the problem. That's the first issue all the time. Identify the problem, and sometimes it's then identify the severity of the problem. So, like, is there bleeding? Okay. How serious is the bleeding, which changes the response to the bleeding? Um, you know, is there, I mean, you know, are they breathing? <laughs> Those are usually the first three things is, number one, are they breathing? You know, is the airway clear? Are they breathing? You know, and then there's, are they awake? That's always a good one. And can they move? And if, you know, those are three good things to start with. And I think there's some other things I, again, I've kind of lost that certification a few times. But if they're breathing, you know, you've got somebody you can work with. Okay, Miss Donna's here. Some of you are catching up. Okay. If they're breathing, this is a good sign. There's, there's hope for somebody who's breathing. Okay. But you cannot fix a problem until you can point your finger at the problem. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just use my own because it's the simplest thing, but when I was, we were up in evangelism and I had mono, I was sick and sick for months and months, kept going to the doctor and said, oh, you got a throat infection, 
give me penicillin, and it never went away, and then you end up with a wonderful rash. It's just great, I'll just tell you. But anyways, and then finally end up in the middle of nowhere, I mean way, way, way up, way, 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 way up north in Canada, middle of nowhere, and this doctor finally says, he pushes on one spot in my belly, and, and uh, he says, well, I know what you got. And he will do a test on Monday to verify it, but I know what you got. I'm telling you, it was a relief just to finally find out what I had. I, honestly. Because I was so sick. For, for At one point, finally, for eight days, I never left the bed. I just puked and ate crackers and slept for, for eight days. Lost 15 pounds in eight days. Not a diet I would rec- recommend. And, I mean, I didn't know what I had. I was married. My wife's worried about me. My, my mom I'm traveling with, my parents, they're worried about me. And finally walk into a doctor and a doctor to... to Puts his finger on the, I mean, literally, he asks a few questions and puts his finger literally on the spot. I'm not kidding. He hit something inside of me, and I thought I was going to go through the roof. <clears throat> and, uh, well, I know what you got. And just to go home and saying, I have this. And because once you know what you have, you can learn how to treat the problem. Everybody know what you're talking about? What I'm talking about? How am I getting, messing my words up tonight? So, What is God doing in this thing right now? He's sending in, if you will, the the person who has, they've done a scan. God's done his scan. And this is the person coming in with the results of the scan before the doctor comes in and explains what they're going to do about it. And here's the doctor, or here's the prophet comes in. We did the scan, and here's the problem. We found the problem to fix this whole mess, and here it is. You've sinned. You did not obey. You've sinned. There's the problem, and here's where it's at specifically. And he says, specifically what it is, it's in this realm of not honoring the God who saved them, if you will. I'm using a different term, but who freed them, who led them, who gave them what they had, but honoring other gods instead. This is the problem. This is you have disobeyed. You cannot make things right in any situation until you find out what is wrong. I mean, I've been with families where they've misdiagnosed over and over and over, and finally somebody just changed one little thing of the symptoms, and the doctor goes, excuse me, what, what did you say? He's having what? Well, that changes the whole story. We're, 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 we're dealing with the wrong thing. That's why they do scan after scan after scan. Listen, you cannot deal with the problem. By the way, I found this out. You don't treat mononucleosis with meds for a throat infection. It just makes it worse. <laughs> Even though mono, with a real quick look, looks like a throat infection. Has to be a good scan and then properly treated. And it's the exact same thing with sin. God comes in and says, here is the problem. The scan's done. Okay? The prophet's there. He's done his job. The scan is done. Now the doctor's going to come in. The doctor's going to make an appearance now because he has to address the problem and start administering healing agents. That's what we want, right? When the children of Israel are crying out to God as the doctor, what are they looking for? Healing. They're looking for healing. The results of scan are in. It's sin, disobedience to God's word. You've spent time reverencing and pleasing other false gods or false gods and not the right one. And then in verse 11, we have this whole shift of scene. And I just, I really love this picture. The angel Lord shows up and he's under, a, and under an oak in the yard of, in Gideon's yard. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, here's, we get this picture. It's like the Lord sets the scene. Here's the scene. Lights come up. We got this well. And behind the well, we can see a head kind of coming up and down with, with uh, wheat kind of going up in the air every once in a while because he's separating out the chaff, Okay. So he's throwing up wheat in the air and letting the wind take away the stuff that's not wheat, the stuff that doesn't turn into flour. So you see this, you know, got this picture. Here's this well, and behind it you see, with a little head popping up every once in a while. And off to the right, there's a tree, and there's this angel just kind of hanging out there. Got a thing sticking out of his mouth, just kind of watching. Watching Gideon, watching him do his thing. That's the, there's the scene. And then the angel Lord lets himself be seen by Gideon. I mean, it's just a great thing. And he tells him, this guy who's hiding, okay, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Okay, now, all all guys in the room, it'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? 
have somebody show up and call you a mighty man, man of valor? Yeah, I know. Right? That's kind of a cool thing. But Gideon's response is like, what? Now, you understand, this is the second act. The first act was Israel crying unto the Lord because they've sinned, and God sending in a prophet to say, you're in this situation because you've sinned. Don't pretend that Gideon doesn't know about the prophet. Gideon knows about the prophet. The, pro- the prophet came to Israel. Word spread. Word spread. So, he says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. In verse 12, in Gideon's instant response, Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> if God's with us, then why is all this bad stuff going on? I mean, you realize it's like talking to the president, not knowing it's the president, and in your conversation you're blaming the president. Okay? That's kind of what's going on here. He doesn't connect the dots yet that this is, this is you know, more than just some other guy hanging out. And so Gideon, he hears the prophet, he responds with extremely typical human response. Typical human response. Well, what's that? Trying to hide from the real cause of the problem. Or just trying to cause from some of, any of the problem. What is he doing? He's hiding from the oppressors. Okay, now, let's see. He's hiding from the oppressors, and the oppressors are in the land that he's been given by God, that he's been commanded to drive out the people in the land, right? And he's hiding from what God has told him to do. I'm going to put that together, okay? And, you know, isn't it just like us? And I'm just telling you, I'm one of the worst ones. Uh, You've got a problem you need to deal with. Well, maybe we can work on that tomorrow. Well, you know, certainly there's something else we can do here. You know, maybe the Lord will take, you know, don't, we don't like want to face the problem. It's a typical human thing, not want to face the problem head on. Even for some guys and ladies in going to the doctor. Uh, you have a problem? Nah, it'll be fine. Sin, you got a problem. Listen, you, know, you, you know what you need to do? Here's Gideon trying to hide from the whole issue, and he comes out swinging, blaming God. What is he doing? He's not saying, I have a problem with, or we have a problem with. He's saying, God has a problem. I'm just telling you, this is standard human response. When a preacher, a prophet, a preacher, someone comes along, or the Word of God, or a song, or whatever, the Holy Spirit begins to point a bony finger and say, hey, you got a sin problem. Nah. You know, it's God's fault if God would just... You hear me? Oh, it can't be that. I can't call it what it is. You know, no, this problem is the result of sin. Don't try to... You know, here, well, here's other people like, no, if I try to fight this, it will just get worse. Every time I try to do this, it just makes it worse. Or this one, I like this one. Well, I know, preacher, but just don't understand. Like, my situation is totally different from every other person in the world. Mine's different. Mine's worse. You know, I, I just can't beat this one. Pretending that we had nothing to do with how bad it actually is. God, how come you didn't answer my prayer and just take this weakness away from me? I mean... You designed me with this weakness, God, so it's your fault that I'm actually doing this sin. And you can fix it if you want, but you're not fixing it, God. So I'm in this problem because you created this weakness in me. Don't tell me that you haven't had these thoughts in your head. Well, God, how come you just don't fix it? And what do we do? God says, you got a sin problem. Uh-uh. This is your fault. Or this one. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. So-and-so does it. That person over there, they do it. What's the big deal? I know tons of people that get, do the same stuff. What, what, I don't understand. Listen, I, this is great. His first response is, and, and look, and he says in verse 13, let's keep looking at Scripture, why is all this bad, bad stuff happening to us? Why won't you do something? Now, this is Gideon. 
The prophet's already been here. Just let's put things in perspective. The prophet's already been here and said, it's a sin problem. And he said, I told you what to do. Gideon also is a member of the children of Israel, so he kind of knows what the books of Moses are. Now, here's a possibility. It could be that he has allowed the importance of the Word of God, the written Word of God, to slip away from his memory or to slip away from the forefront of his life, and they're just really cool, important religious books, but he hasn't taken them by faith and applied them to his life in belief of what they say. He just says, yeah, they're there. He's either ignored the book, forgotten the book, or just flat disobeyed it. There's no other choices. Okay? He's either ignored the commandments of, of, God, of the books of Moses or forgotten, and you kind of have to forget as an Israelite, or just flat disobeyed it, saying, well, I know that's what it says, but that doesn't apply to me with whatever excuse you want to call it. It's still disobedience. And then God sends a prophet, which we've already mentioned, to clearly say, this is why you're here. And still, with the books of Moses and the book of Joshua and the reminder of Joshua, and then the, the word of the prophet, Gideon still says, huh, why are we in this condition? How are we in this condition? After there's clarity. There, there, it's not a question anymore. Why in this position? Because of sin. Disobedience. That's why you're here. That's a typical human response. What did I do? Why me? Why has it always got to be me? I, I, I just don't know what I did wrong. And can we just be honest? Can we just be truthful? Sometimes we don't really want to take a good, honest evaluation that we might be the cause of our own problem. And y'all are getting really quiet. Okay. For us to admit that the cause of our pain and suffering might be us is something we have a really hard time admitting. Cause of your pain and suffering is what? You. No, that can't be right. Certainly it's how I grew up. It's, it's how I was raised. It's the, it's the conditions and the circumstances that I grew up in. It's, it's my boss. Oh, it's the church we're at. Well, it's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. Well, if it wasn't for my mom and dad. Well, you know, my mom had this problem, so it just passed on through the genes, I guess. You hear? These are all excuses that helps point the finger away from me contributing to my pain and suffering in the problem that I'm in. Matter of fact, if somebody ever comes along and says... Have you ever thought that you might be the cause of your own problem? How dare you? What a hypocrite. How would you say that to me? Like you don't have any problems of your own. You hear me? These are human things that we say. How dare you even think that, oh my goodness, say you suggest, I'm over here hurting and you're coming along and telling me that I'm hurting myself? Now get this. This gets even better. Look at verse 13. Look what Gideon says. He actually brings up, essentially, what would be the word of God. Verse 13. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? He literally goes back to the word of God and says, where are all the blessings? And boy, there's nothing spiritual about, or nothing typically human about that either, is there? Well, God, you promised all these great things. Where's all these great things at? It's like selectively picking and choosing all all the good, wonderful things from God and completely ignoring that all those good things and good things from God came with an obedience first. (laughs) Somehow he fails to bring up the part where they were supposed to drive out the enemy. He fails to bring up the part where they were supposed to not worship other gods and to worship. Amen. This hasn't been that long ago. Joshua, 20, Joshua 23, verses 6 through 8. Be therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. This is the same group that's being told to. 
that ye turn not aside therefore from the right hand or the left, that ye come not among these nations, that these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. That's clear as a bell. There is nothing not clear about that. How, does everybody agree with that? That is clear. Pay attention to the books of Moses. Obey him. Don't worship these gods. Worship the Lord God. That's it. That is... You know, it's not like Adam and Eve only had like one rule. Don't eat of that tree. And as much as we all think that we are better than Adam and Eve, we're not. Rules are meant to be... You all know it. Isn't that amazing? And is that, is that statement right? No. So Gideon heard the prophet. He knows. He still points his finger at God. And look where God is now. Look at This is an interesting thing. Look what God is pointing the finger. God's pointing a finger too. Look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared in him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now look down at verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Here's Gideon saying, God, how come you aren't getting us out of this? And here's God himself looking at Gideon and saying, you can get out of this. You hear that? No, you, you, you can do this. What? What do you mean I can do this? This thy might. What is Gideon's might? Well, Gideon, he's, well I'm going to get ahead of myself, but he's not talking about literally the physical, wonderful, spiritual prowess of Gideon. It's not, that's not how it is. But I love it that Jehovah looks, he looks at Gideon. Again, the idea is that he, suddenly that Jehovah, the almighty God, goes, and he narrows in and looks right at Gideon. Have you ever, have you ever been, you know, trying to explain to your parents or your mom? Usually it was my dad. But, you know, excuse, 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 and all of a sudden you see your dad, and all of a sudden he kind of looks at you like, hey, hey. I wonder if it was one of those looks where Gideon's little self-righteous pity party just had kind of felt a little foolish. And the words of the prophet begin ringing in the back of his mind and he's going, why am I saying this stuff? I wonder if you started feeling a little bit guilty. Here's God saying in verse 12 and verse 14, and uh, he's saying, listen, you have what you need to solve this problem. You've got it. You've got it. Now, this is interesting. This is where Gideon, I think the wheels start turning because it's almost as if at this point he begins to try to understand what the man is saying and he's trying to see things God's way, if we could put it that way. So up until this point, so that's message number one, essentially. We kind of work through it that, listen, we have to, we have to recognize that almost all problems in our life are usually sin problems. Much as we might not like to admit it, almost all problems in our life are usually sin problems. And we need to stop pointing our finger at everyone else and outside of ourselves or even back at God saying, well, you can fix this if you want to and start realizing, listen, you can't fix the problem until you can point a finger at the problem. And God is not the disease. Do you understand that? God is not the disease. Sin is the disease. Sin is the thing that causes the pain and suffering in our life. Sin is what brought pain and suffering into the world. And it's still the cause of it today. So now, listen, let's just look at it honestly. If we're going to understand how we're going to get fixed, number one, we've got to be honest with ourselves and with God himself saying, the reason I got here, it's because of me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. I'm the reason. Now, once you get to this point, this is a great spot to be in. You can't fix mono until you know it's mono and you point your finger at it. It's mono. You can't get rid of cancer until you know it's cancer and you point your finger at it, it's cancer, and there it is, right there. We did a scan that's showing up nice and bright right there, and we're going to 
circle it, we're going to do some surgery and pull it out. You have to point your finger at the problem. Let, let, just again, you've got an issue in your life. Stop pointing your finger at the doctor like he's the problem. God's the doctor. He's not the disease. Amen. Amen. Start to listen. God, where is the problem? God sent a prophet to show him, here's the problem. Oh, by the way, you also have the word of God saying, here's the problem. Amen. So now it's as if, now that God has looked at him and, and there's something changes in Gideon here. There really is because now in, in verse 15 we have this change from Gideon and Gideon says, look, I love this. And he said unto him, oh my Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Now, again, the idea of poor we might have to adjust that because it doesn't appear that Gideon, even in the realm, was necessarily poor in wealth. Not money-wise. I mean, he had ten servants. It appears that he must have... He's not referencing so much, if I can, if you will let me, so much his wealth, but his ability to fight against Midian. His, his ability to save Israel. That's what we're talking about here. God, I am nothing. Now, okay, so now here's, here's the deal. God, God says, okay, sin's the problem, and Midianite is the oppression that's causing it, and we need to drive out the oppression, and you can do this, and Gideon's now looking at himself and saying, I can't do this. And now, so follow me here. We, we live by faith, not by sight. So understand that now all of a sudden, He's got a clear understanding. Gideon has an understanding of what the job is, of how he's going to heal it. He's going to drive out the Midians, okay, the Midianites. And, and God is lifting him away from whatever sin used to be. And now he begins to look at the problem and say, God says I can beat this, but I can't. I, us? We're nothing. How can God use nothing? You hear that? Do you hear what he's saying? How can God use nothing? If I could put it this way, God can do nothing because I am nothing. God, God, how could God do anything in my life because of me and my position? I am not strong enough, therefore somehow God is not strong enough. I am not able, therefore God is not able. God's not able because I'm not able. God can't do this in my life because I'm I can't do this. Boy, hear that? Let me, come on now. This is a beginning to understand that God does want me to grow, and it's beginning to connect the dots. I need to grow, but I can't. This is another good place to, to come to. Listen. So here's what we need to do. And the doctor comes in and says, here's what we need to do. We need to do surgery. Well, I can't do surgery. Well, no, duh. <laughs> Does everybody follow me? This is ever the case. Listen. We get so caught up when God addresses us our sin, or the preacher addresses our sin, or the, our devotions address our sin, or a friend comes along and says, Dude, this might be something you need to work on. And what do we do? We instantly run back to all the reasons that we can't. That, do you hear me? Listen. We start giving God reasons why we can't do what God says we can do. What God has told us to do. You need to do this. Well, I can't do that. What? This is, this is exactly what Gideon is doing here. He's, whether it be a, a label, I'm, listen, we're just, we're just a small, we're not Judah. Judah's the big tribe. We're just, I'm just a little nobody over here. I mean, give it to Judah. They're the ones with all, what he's using is, He's seeing that he needs to solve the problem, but now he's beginning to look at himself. He's, he's still seeing the problem through the eyes of sight and not through the eyes of faith. And so he says, no, it's, you understand, it's different. My problem's too great for God to overcome because I can't do it. I just, you know, I'm, God can never use me because. God could never work, at work through me because. Or God couldn't, you hear what I'm saying? I can't, I can't fulfill, I can't, be a good, I can't be salty on purpose. I can't give out the Great Commission because. I can't tell people the gospel because. I can't stop doing this because. I can't stop drinking because. 
I can't stop looking at uh, dirty pictures because. I can't stop being an overbearing uh, uh, husband because. I can't stop being an overbearing wife because. You hear what I'm saying? I can't stop being angry at my kids because. I can't stop being run around with a down-in-the-mouth attitude all the time because. You hear what I'm saying? How many other ways can we say it? If whatever problem you got, you're telling God that you can't get over it because you're in the same place Gideon was right here. You're hearing what God says you're supposed to do, and you're agreeing that you probably should, but now you're telling God, I can't. Now, again, a good realization to come to, except Gideon has missed a very big point. Okay? God has already given him the answer, and he's going to give him the answer again. In verse 15, he says, I can't do that. Look what he says in verse 16. God says in verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you. Oh, and by the way, this isn't the first time God has said that in this conversation. Look at verse 12. And the angel Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. What? Who? What? The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor, and then look in verse 14. He says in verse 14, Have not I sent thee? Sent thee implies authority, which has power behind it. So we've already got two times prior that Gideon has heard, I am with you. I'm giving you my power. Go do this. And still Gideon is looking at himself, but it's, he's beginning, his eyes are beginning to try to leave sight. Listen, do you, you know what? You know where the power for healing comes from? It's not from me. It's from the doctor and his words. Right? So, how come I'm not healing yet? We, literally, sometimes people think, and I do agree. I, I'll tell you, one of the best things you can do is, you know, just start getting into the book. <laughs> Get into the book. But it's beyond that. Listen, you have to start taking the book and believing it. Like, you know, like God gave it to us. Faith does not work until we believe something. And when we believe it, we follow that belief up with what? Obedience. Faith produces obedience. It's what it does. Why? You should tithe. That makes no sense whatsoever. But faith produces obedience. Well, you should go make this right with your brother. Oh, no, that's just going to make things worse. Faith produces obedience. Children obey your parents in the Lord. Oh, are you kidding me? Do you know my parents? Faith produces obedience. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, you don't understand. Have you seen my wife? Faith produces obedience. Wives, reverence your husband. My husband? Reverence, faith, produces obedience. <laughs> we can keep going. Want me to keep going? How many, how many places can we go here? Well, I know the proverb says the rod, but you know we all know from psychology that, that just, faith produces obedience. Obedience. The doctor and his words are the medicine, and Gideon now needs to go and apply it. <laughs> and this is how simple it is. I mean, here's, here's Gideon thinking, this is going to take massive work. And, and here's God saying, like, um, take two of these and call me in the morning. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Well, it can't be that simple. It is. Read it, believe it, obey it, and guess what? Why would I want? Why are you going to obey the? No, no, listen. I am with thee. When when God says, "Go in thy might," what is? Where is that might coming coming from? Is it coming from Gideon? No, it's coming from I am with thee. Now Gideon could have stood right there and said, "Oh, so if you're going to do it, why don't you just go ahead and do it?" I was like, no. And this is how all the Christian life works well. You obey, and then you'll see my might. Amen. That's a wonderful, awesome thing. So it takes Gideon a bit. Now I want you to follow through. Watch. This is why Gideon, and we're going to keep seeing it more. Listen, 
Again, let's go back to it. The people are greatly impoverished, right? They're, they have no substance. Food and meat, um, broth, these things are precious commodities. And here, here Gideon looks at this guy and says, okay, it's like he's beginning to understand. Would you sit here just a sec? Please stay here just a sec. And he goes and he prepares what should be for his family, what should be for the necessity and the strength and the, the survival of his own family. And he brings out to a stranger, but who has told him the word of God and who has brought him to the understanding that has, his sight has to lift beyond himself and be trusting in God. And he brings out to him, apparently he's beginning to click that this might have something to do with God. And he brings out an offering and the guy says, pour out the broth. I would have been going, huh? <laughs> this is really tasty. You want me to do what? I mean, my mouth is watering looking at it. And you're what? What? My kids, this would feed them for like three days. Pour it out. Yes, sir. What, what's happening right here? Gideon is practicing what? Obedience. And faith. All mixed together. And that's what faith should produce, obedience. Pour it out. Put these on the rock. On the rock. Okay, great place for them. That's what, boof. Well, that's gone. That's one of those things where it probably took him a couple hours, literally, to make this meal. And the whole thing's gone like that. Moms, you know what we're talking about? Poof. Gone. Precious commodities. He has brought out the, some of the, literally, if I could put it this way, the wealth of his house and has offered it freely to God Almighty. Hmm. Does that sound a little bit like obedience to the books of Moses and to the instructions of Joshua? Joshua? Yeah. <laughs> Serve the Lord God. Worship the Lord God. He brings it out. And now, I mean, it's like this dawning realization. It slowly, he, he brings it out. It, I mean... <laughs> Gideon prepares and offers to God a wealth. I mean, it's as if a beggar is offering God a, a fabulous worship king, a meal worship for a king. He begins to worship God, self-sacrificing, literally self-sacrificing, giving of what they need to honor the God who has promised to free his family and to use him to do it, and his nation, by the way. And my goodness, listen, I want to ask yourself a question. What... What are you holding on to that is so valuable? And I'm not talking about money. Maybe it's money that's great. But listen, we all hold things that are dear to us. I, in, in the South, and I see bits of this in Idaho, family is dear. Family is wealth. And family needs to stay by me. Yeah, but what if God calls your family to go to Timbuktu? to the Congo, to Russia, or to the state, three states over. You hear what I'm saying? What if God calls my kids to be elsewhere? Are you, are you willing to self-sacrifice? Well, this is where I'm at. I've got my house here. I've got my life here. What if God says, I want you there? Well, I've got a reputation amongst these people. I can't start telling them, now that I'm a Christian and start getting them all mad at me, what's more, hear me? What's more important to you? What, what is it that's right? Honor God. Honor God means that I take the things that are precious to me and they become God's to do with how he sees fit. One of the things that I can, listen, when I, give, when I do guitar lessons for, for Christian kids is I spend time purposefully telling them, listen, all musicians, people who are learning, and some of you parents and other people know about this, but you start learning an instrument and they'll spend hours in their room with the door closed listening to themselves play. And I'm just telling you, there's some, as a musician, there's a precious time for that. It's like, I'm, I hit little thing and sometimes, and honestly, there are sometimes, even as a young believer or as a person with music, that you're trying to give the gift to God. This is a good thing, but, you know, some of those talents we're not designed to be used behind a closed door for your own benefit. You hear what I'm saying? Some of those talents were designed to be used so that God could be a help to others. 
Gideon was not given this instruction so that he could save his family. He was given this instruction so he could save the nation. What are the things that are precious to you? Listen, there are things sometimes, the things that are valuable to us, our time, our efforts, whatever it might be, we need to be ready and willing, like Gideon, to say, this is extremely important, and you're asking me to give this, just watch it get burnt up. What is God calling you? Amen. Savory soup poured out without care upon the ground and precious meat and bread burnt up in honor to God. Gideon could have seen it as a waste, but it doesn't appear so. It could have fed a family, but he does not. He, he offers it generously to the Lord. And then the angel of the Lord disappears and it dawns on Gideon. He starts putting all the pieces together. I know, ladies, you guys would have had it like two conversations ago, but guys are thick-skulled. So it's like all of a sudden, oh, I'm in big trouble. That was God. I've been talking to God. Oh, my goodness, I'm dead meat. And I like it. The angel's gone, but this voice just comes out of the sky. Don't worry, son. Not going to kill you today. You've got a job to do. Huh. It dawns on him. And that's what it says. Look at verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel, he's an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. So he assures him he's safe. Well, now God, Gideon has the whole picture. God has given me instructions. I have started the process of obedience. You know what? I'm just going to do right. What, is it, what does it say he does? Go, go down to verse 24. Then... Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord. Why why is he building an altar? He says, you know what? This is not the last time that I am going to sacrifice what is precious to me in honor of my God. We are going to worship God here. We are going to honor God here. I am going to make it a practice to give of myself and my wealth for God himself. You see that Gideon's sight has finally been removed off of me, my, and mine, and, and he's finally been able, somewhere in the process, he's had to admit, yeah, I'm probably part of the problem. And his eyes have lifted up, and he's doing again what he has not been doing in the past, and that is reverencing Jehovah. And now here's where faith comes in, and we're going to get there a little bit further. Look, look at what he calls him. Look at what he calls him in verse 24. The Gideon built, Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. What is that? The Lord is my peace. Has he won the battle against the Midianites yet? Has he still under oppression? Is all Israel still hiding in caves? But this is faith. The Lord is my peace. This is the eyes of faith that will, and we can, we're not even up there yet, they're going to be followed by the action of obedience that is a result of pure faith. The good, the bad, and the ugly are, when we sin, guess what? It can get ugly. It can get bad. Our life, I'm just telling you, our life can get incredibly and horribly screwed up so that we don't even know how to get out of it. It's so tangled up and messed up. Lies over here and cover this up and pretend that. And listen, we have to at some point acknowledge that The problem is my sin. Stand before God and admit, I'm in trouble, or this problem is in my life because of me. Not God, not my parents, not my job, not the person who treated me horribly years ago. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. And then begin to realize that when God says I can have victory, it's not because I have anything to do with it. It's my obedience to him when his his might starts backing me up. I will be with you. Go and win. I will be with you. Well, I can't do that. I will be with you. Did you catch that part? Does that sound familiar to anybody? I know we've been a little bit, so I'm going to close it up. Gideon had had first to be brought to the reality of he disobeyed, and what he disobeyed was the written word that he already had. So this is what I'm going to tell you. Get in touch with the word of God. Not just on Sunday. Get into it. Study it. Think on it. For the Word of God is quick. Some of you know this. Quick means it's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book can tell you where you're screwed up and why you're screwed up. It can do that. Well, it can't be that simple of just getting in my Bible more. Take two of these and call me in the morning. I'm telling you, this is the answer. Not just this, but it's your understanding it and then obeying it. Because obedience is the result of faith. 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 Let's just, let, me just, let me just point out a New Testament version, kind of the same thing. The same thing that Gideon heard. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. <laughs> Can we just start calling our lack of obedience what it is? It's a lack of faith. It's sin. It's sin. Trust God. Have faith in God. Lift your eyes up off your own ability and realize that when God, let's see, I think we said this quite a few times last little bit, with God's commandments come God's enablements. Faith is not me waiting for God to do some magic trick inside of me. Faith is for me to believe that God has given me the power to do what I need to do, and I act as if that's true and watch God do things. Amen. Faith. God will give you the victory. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you can, let me tell you, in your sin, in your life, the sin that you face and the trouble that you have and the pain and suffering that you are facing, you can be healed of it. You can stop listening to the world tell you or your mind tell you, your circumstances tell you that it's going to get worse and this will only ever be... No, you can be healed of it. Trust God. Admit where the problem really lies. Trust God. Attack your sin. He will be with you. Give out the gospel. He will be with you. Amen. The story of Gideon is one that goes from sin to sight, to faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. But you're never going to get to faith until you get past going to see the doctor and find out where the problem is. Amen. Father, thank you very much for the day. Lord, I, Lord, uh, the simplicity of this is, Lord, sometimes astounding that it should be so simple. It's not complicated. It's not, there's not some long road out of twists and turns and backs and forths and secrets and, no, it's admitting the sin that we've been involved in and worshiping the God that we say we serve. Obedience that stems from faith that you will be with us, God. That when we go to drive our oppressor out of our life, that you will be with us. That when we swing the sword, when we bring our, the gospel out into the community, that you will be with us. God, please. Work, work in us, Father. Encourage us, we ask today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. He will be with you. He will be with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. What is it you're going to do? What is it you're going to do? You're going to keep hiding? giving God excuses why you can't you can we'll be with you
Father, we thank you again for the day, Lord, and I, Lord, just help us to see the promise of you will be with us. Lord, help us to open our own hearts and lives up to the doctor. Lord, to have the word of God point out to us again where we have failed, where we have not done what we know we're supposed to do. Lord, help us to call it what it is, confess it. And Lord, help us to turn again and worship the God who has promised us his presence and his power as we move forward in obedience to his word. And help us to tackle this Christian life, Lord, with faith. Well, thank you for the story of Gideon, Lord. And we ask that you, Lord, again, bless our families. Uh, Lord, give them safety as they journey home. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.